be here, see your smiling faces. Uh, very much felt welcomed. Uh, I know some of you maybe recognize me like that guy who preached here before, but I want to think that you are simply a welcoming uh, church community. And I got to tell you, as a person who sort of bounces around a bit, you know, doing guest speaking and visiting different churches, just that warm welcome to the new person, to the stranger, is super important. I mean, it's it's a gift, it's a ministry. Uh, so I, I know Brad's probably said what I'm about to say, but when you see, you know, say hi to your friends, but always keep an eye out for that, that new arrival, you know, who's feeling a little awkward maybe. Go, say hi, welcome, hey, I don't think we've met, you know, and, and I sure felt that from you today. So uh, great to be back with you. Also, I just want to say, I really like this space. Um, I don't know how you feel about it, but I really like it. Uh, again, I visit churches, and sometimes churches that are renting facilities, you know, the, the vibe is sort of like federal prison gathering room. I mean, cinder block and just, you know, it's, it's not real warm and inviting. And this space feels like some life has been lived here over the, the decades. And uh, in fact, my sister, who lives down in uh, California, texted me a few weeks back. She said, hey, uh, Jeffrey Foucault is going to be up in Seattle. He's a singer-songwriter who we, we, we both like a lot. She said, yeah, she wrote, yeah, he's going to be at a place called the Ballard Homestead. I thought, I know, I know the Ballard Homestead. And when I arrived this morning, the, the poster's up. So if there are still tickets left, uh, I highly recommend it. Thursday night, right here, Jeffrey Foucault and another, uh, I think it's his wife who's a singer-songwriter as well. Anyway, um, you are in this series called Sustainable Faith, right? Good. And uh, uh, I think of it as uh, looking at the spiritual disciplines, like sort of the classical spiritual disciplines of the faith. Today we're going to look at meditation and truth-telling is, is what uh, corporate is calling this, truth-telling. Uh, before I get into those two disciplines, though, I wanted to make uh, two just sort of general comments about spiritual disciplines. And again, maybe Brad's covered this. I don't know. I will be brief. Repetition isn't a bad thing. Uh, I just felt the need to, to speak to two things very quickly. First, when talking or thinking about spiritual disciplines, um, for me at least, a question arises, and the question is this, how do my spiritual disciplines, you know, stuff I do, fit in with the whole sort of grace-based, gift-based vision of the New Testament and the gospel? In fact, our second song tonight, I can't memorize quickly, so I don't have the words at my fingertips. The second song tonight was terrific, uh, tonight, this morning, uh, was terrific. It hit on this whole notion of God has made us alive in Christ. God has uh, brought newness out of the old. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Are they putting... Yeah. yeah. Good. Quick. Thanks. Uh, just keep going through the song. There's a bunch in there. But 
This whole notion of I was helpless and God rescued me. Uh, I was blind. God gave me sight. Um, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, even that faith, not your own doing, it is what? It is the gift of God. So there's this, this grace foundation to the whole project. Do not spiritual disciplines, those things I do, kind of smack of human effort to attain to or sort of get a hold of God, earning God's favor, you know, getting God's attaboy. Is there something I have to do? Is it that old thing where, you know, God's done his part and now I have to do my part to sort of meet in the middle, which I would say that's not the New Testament or that song's vision. It, it's we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And God made us alive. How do, how do these things we do, these spiritual disciplines, fit with the whole kind of base or foundation of grace? And here's my answer. Uh, you can keep mulling this over and probably have your own answers too, but here, here's my two cents on this. The spiritual disciplines, these practices, are for our benefit, not God's benefit, right? They shape our character, not God's character toward us. They help us to experience more fully the gift that we've received. So it's not that we're like adding to God's grace or even enhancing God's grace or let alone meeting, you know, somewhere in the middle. It's more that Jesus has given us the gift of this abundant life, John chapter 10, and the disciplines kind of get us in a position to experience that abundant life more fully. So the whole program absolutely is grace-based. It's gift. But we can uh, engage in these practices that help us to, we might say, appreciate the gift more fully, allow it to permeate our human experience more fully. So that's my first point. Second, and very quickly, uh, one of my all-time favorite quotes, and I'm guessing some of you have, have heard this, G.K. Chesterton, who lived in the early to mid-1900s, British, Roman Catholic, uh, editor and writer, C.S. Lewis, was influenced by G.K. Chesterton. Chesterton said this, whatever is worth doing is worth doing badly. Whatever is worth doing is worth doing badly. In other words, even kind of bumbling, stumbling efforts at prayer, at meditation and truth-telling, at Sabbath-taking, at community, all of these spiritual disciplines. Any effort is good. It's not first like spiritual masters, right? It's worth doing. And if you're sitting out there feeling like, yeah, I've, I've tried this spiritual discipline stuff, it's just like not, it's, uh, I, can't, I can't really do it. Anything is good. 
And as I was thinking about this, I think it's true of the lots of important things in life. Uh, if you're a spouse, your parent, you have friends, any effort or gesture that seeks to build and enhance that re relationship, any effort is worth it and is a good thing. It's not when we can do it perfectly, right, that we, we engage. It's any effort counts. My wife, Candy, who some of you know, and I joke that I, my name tag should read, uh, just read Candy's husband, uh, just be clear who I was. Um, she likes to lovingly, lovingly remind me that I asked her to marry me two days after Valentine's Day. We, had a, we were both in seminary. We had a wonderful Valentine's Day dinner, uh, Valentine's dinner, romantic. You know, I got all that part. I asked her to marry me two days later. And she likes to sort of bring this up occasionally. But uh, I would say the important thing is that I asked her to marry me. I'm, I goofed. I wasn't good at the romantic part. It was, so it's two days late. But anything worth doing, right, is worth doing even badly. Uh, and that's a, a frame I would put on the spiritual disciplines. That, that any effort, any effort disproportionately benefits us spiritually. You know, 30 seconds of prayer, you know, or whatever the particulars are, anything. It's not for spiritual masters. It's for stumbling, bumbling uh, disciples uh, and romantics <laughs> like, like me and maybe, maybe us. Um, okay, so into our, our two disciplines today, meditation and truth-telling. Uh, the frame or perspective I'd like to bring to this is it's something I've been sort of reflecting on a lot in my own just spiritual life, but uh, this, this image of Paul's in the New Testament of old and new, that in Christ we're brought from the old to the new. So the scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. And so I see meditation and truth-telling uh, as leading us more deeply into this new creation reality that is ours in Christ. It's not for God's benefit. It's for our benefit. It help, helps us to experience something more deeply and pervasively. Uh, the teaching team, I assume you know there's a, there's a teaching team. All the Bethany pastors get together Mondays and Brad gave me uh, notes uh, for this, uh, and I really like this, so I'm just, I'm quoting. Uh, they describe the meditation and truth-telling disciplines as the idea of an inhale. The meditation is the inhale. The truth-telling is the exhale. I think that's pretty good. If you, if you remember nothing else, uh, from the message, that would, be, that would be good to hold on to that image. I breathe in God's truth, the, the inhale, and then I speak out God's truth, uh, the, the exhale. Uh, 
so first, uh, the, the inhale, meditating, meditating on God's truth. Uh, I have a reading from Colossians. And I think for the sake of time, um, I will just jump to, to verse 16. I, the way it's, yeah, the whole, the whole scripture will be, it's a great scripture. It's one of the old and new texts of, of Paul's. But I want to focus on verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. We're doing some of that today uh, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Our focus, meditation, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And I think of the words of Jesus um, in John's gospel, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. This isn't on a slide. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you continue in my word. Same, same kind of notion. Uh, that word continue in Greek, the same word in John 15, where Jesus says, abide in me, gets translated abide there. But it's, it's the word dwelling richly, us continuing in it, it abiding, all of, all of that idea uh, falls into this notion of meditation. If you take a broad look at scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, really to meditate in the Christian tradition, in the Christian tradition, is to ponder is to take time to ponder, to let the, the word of God sink in, to, to mull it over, to be like Mary. Remember when the shepherds gave her the news of what was going to happen? Everybody, you know, a bunch of folks heard the news. Mary, what? She pondered these things in her heart, uh, the, the pondering. I like to cook. I don't know if there are any other home chefs here, but I enjoy cooking. And you know, one cooking technique is to marinate something, right? I just cooked a pork shoulder this week, used a dry rub, and then wrapped it in cellophane, put it in the fridge for like 36 hours. It was a dry marinade, I guess you'd call it. But what was it doing? It was just sitting there in the fridge, right? It was sitting there. Was something happening? Yep. And just as a sort of a, another, you know, we had the inhale, exhale, another sort of mnemonic device, because they sort of sound similar, meditate, if you, if you connect it to marinate, actually you're pretty close. I mean, it's not a bad connection. Maybe don't tell Brad I said that, but... Uh, I, I, I think it, the, di- the dynamics are the same. It's, uh, it's uh, just being with something and letting it sink in. Like a marinade, it's meditate. Is not the Eastern tradition of black, uh, a blank slate or dial tone. It's, it's, it's allowing God's word to sink in. Uh, in his book, Satisfy Your Soul, Dr. Bruce 
Bruce Demarest writes, meditation refocuses us from ourselves and from the world so that we reflect on God's word, his nature, his abilities, and his works. So we prayerfully ponder, muse, chew the words of scripture. The goal is simply to permit the Holy Spirit to activate the life-giving word of God. The psalmist says, I will meditate on your word day and night. Now, I'd like to just acknowledge uh, on this whole subject of meditation, acknowledge that uh, this can be challenging to just sort of live with, to ponder. Um, I don't know about you, but we're, I, am, my, I think my psyche's been actually shaped by the, the, the text, tweet, update, beep, reality of my phone. I don't know if you feel that, but it's like, I think my brain is actually antsy. I have an antsy brain. Uh, what's, go- what's on my phone? In fact, I like to listen to podcasts when I walk my dog, and I'm pointing like that because my dog is out in my truck, and I'm parked over there. Um, my dog, Duke. I've, I've been shocked by... Uh, my re- reaction when I'll, I'll grab Duke, his, his uh, leash, we'll head out, you know, 100 yards down the street. <sighs> I forgot my iPhone and my, my earbuds. Can I, is it okay to walk? <laughs> is it legal in King County to walk without an iPhone and earbuds listening to something? Right? I, I actually experienced a sense of, oh, I got to go back. What am I going to do? Just look at the beautiful fall leaves? <laughs> Say hi to people who walk by? Enjoy my dog? Enjoy the day? No, I need, what's happening? Beep, tweet, up to, you know. And so this meditation thing, I, you know, I will meditate on your word day and night. Uh, it, it can be challenging. So uh, let me give you very uh, quickly just some practical, um, kind of practical guidelines on the meditation piece. How do we do it? I would say first, pick a scripture or a short paragraph of scripture and have it in a form that can't receive any form of notification. And I'm being like super practical here. Go old school. Paper Bible. Could, could, could you hold up your Bible? That's a Bible. Now, I love my Bible that's on my iPhone, and I love the Bible software that's on my laptop. But for meditation, or get this, a three-by-five card. Use a pen or pencil. Write out something, a scripture, on a three-by-five card. It will not notify you of anything. It won't. You won't know what's happening in the world for five minutes. 
And that's okay. So get it, get a scripture in a form that, uh, that doesn't beep. If you need a text, ask Tim or Brad or some other uh, wise looking person in the congregation. Um, then there are, I'm gonna give you three times a day uh, that, that you can do the meditation thing. So you have your card or your scripture. Um, where we can actively turn our minds toward God. The first is, and it it sounds sort of funny, but it it actually is a good one. Just before we fall asleep, if that three by five card is on the nightstand, now I'm a reader, I tend to read before I go to bed, but one idea would be as the head hits the pillow, read that scripture a few times, close your eyes. If you're married, your spouse will just think you're sleeping. And, and reflect on that text. Well, what, I'll just fall asleep. What, what a cool thing to fall asleep thinking about God's love for you or God's mercy in Christ. I, I think it's okay if we fall asleep. So that's one option. The other option is when you wake up. If you're like me, you wake up and you lie in bed a little bit maybe seconds, minutes, instead of hopping out and getting rolling, just take that time. While you're still in bed, to grab that three by five card or scripture and just, just spend a few minutes with it. Ponder it. Chew, chew on it. Let, it. let it marinate a little bit. And then the third option, of course, is creating some space in your day, and this will be really life situational. If you're a stay-at-home parent and your kids are home too, you know, what is it, nap, maybe nap time, stay-at-home parent, kids go to school, it's after they go to school, you, you work and you have huge discretion on your schedule, that's one situation. You work and your schedule's very, you know, governed by somebody else, that's different. Retired, a student, it's, a, it's all different. But to find some space where those minutes even, we're talking minutes here, and there can be reflection, pondering of God's word. Remember, anything worth doing is worth doing, let's say, even briefly or in a stumbling way. Well, I don't know if I could do that every day. Okay, so don't do it every day. Do it every other day. You know, do something to get that meditation, the inhale uh, piece in. And then uh, the exhale, right? The truth, truth telling. And again, I have a, a long scripture from Ephesians and it's part of that whole thing of old and new that I, in my own spiritual life, have been kind of thinking a lot about. But uh, let me zero in on verse 25 where Paul writes this, therefore, having put away falsehood, let us let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Speak the truth with his neighbor. Earlier in this chapter four, Paul talked about speaking the truth in love, speaking the truth in love. So how do we interpret this? Is he simply saying that Christians shouldn't be liars? 
I would say that would be a good start <laughs> for followers of Christ. Let's not lie. But I think there's, there's more to it than that. The picture I get here, and the reason Bethany is calling this a spiritual discipline, is that it's more than simply not lying. The, the Christian community should be that place where, where God's truth is communicated one to another both in its affirmation and in its challenge. Not just by, you know, not just the preacher teacher, but by the community. Now the affirmation part uh, is, is, uh, is fine, right? To, if, as I was going over my sermon uh, this morning, preachers sometimes prepare the sermon and then early Sunday morning, like you go over it and it's sort of like hearing it, like you're gonna hear it. And I was struck by my sermon <laughs> that the affirmation part, speaking the truth in affirmation, we, we generally, we're good with that. Uh, Tim, God loves you. But that, that, that feels good to me, feels good to you. What, but what about the challenge part? When I got to that, the word of challenge, I thought, that feels a little bit like conflict. And... Gen, the middle of the bell curve human beings, we generally don't like conflict. We're conflict avoiders, right? But I think there is this element of truth-telling in the community where we're speaking a word of challenge not to tear a brother or sister down, right? Not to humiliate or make fun of or you know, a joke at the expense of, but to speak a word of truth to a brother or sister in love and somebody who we're in relationship with um, that helps them be more the person God has created them to be. Let me give an example um, um, of, of this. It's been a number of years now, but my wife, Kendi, Kendi's husband, uh, and I used to play doubles tennis uh, with another couple. And we played, you know, for a few weeks, once a week. A lot of, you know, a lot of fun doubles, pretty fun. Away from the doubles tennis setting, the other husband, who's a good friend of mine, said, uh, hey, can I, can I tell you something? Which which your anxiety goes up right as soon as somebody says that to you. Hey, there's something I want to tell you, and they seem like kind of serious. Yeah. And he said, you know, when you get really upset when we're playing doubles, it, it's not fun. It's not fun for the... Uh, his wife's name is Allison. It's not fun for Allison and me. I'm guessing, he said, I'm guessing it's not fun for Kendi. When you get really upset, there was a twinge, right, in me of defensiveness or, oh, I, that doesn't feel good. But you know what? You know what? He was right. This was doubles tennis, which, if you don't know, is supposed to be fun. It's why people do it. It's not Wimbledon doubles. 
this east side of Seattle, friends getting together to play doubles, and I'm, super, I'm all competitive and upset, that's a character flaw on my part that needed a, a correction. And my friend, because we're, we're close, and I, I've remembered this over, it's been more than 20 years, I remember this. I am grateful that he said to me, you know when you get all upset? That's not very fun for the rest of us. That's truth-telling. That's speaking a word of truth that helped me, I hope, to be a little better person. It spoke to an area that I needed to grow in. So, um, by the way, this past summer, we did a shared anniversary celebration with this couple. We're great friends. It wasn't like it stopped the friendship. It enhanced the friendship to have somebody say, hey, can I say something to you? Something I I see. Um, So it needs to be the right context, needs to be done with the right spirit, but it all helps us grow, right, to be the people God wants us to be. Again, early this morning as I was going over this, and I'm about, I'm going to wrap up here, I thought, this is really like an announcement or advocacy for small groups. Probably in the context of a small group, then away from the group, over coffee, we can speak that word of, of truth. You have to be very careful The analogy that came to my mind, this truth-telling, is like a very sharp scalpel. And a scalpel, you know, you use carelessly, you're going to cut, like cut your finger. A scalpel used by a surgeon may save a life. So truth-telling, it's a scalpel. Don't just like, you know, don't think, oh, I'm a truth-teller and hit somebody with something that's going to be devastating or is all out of context or is, is in a setting that's not the right setting. But don't shy away from it, right? I, I am so grateful, my friend Mitch said to me, when you get all upset, it ruins it for the rest of us. So, truth-telling. The exhale, right? We meditate, we reflect, we ponder God's word. Then in the, we listen. Then in the right setting at the right time, in the right relationship, after prayer and all the other spiritual disciplines, we can speak the truth to one another in love. Concluding short paragraph. Do these disciplines change the basis or the foundation of our relationship with God? No. The basis, the foundation of our relationship with God is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But they help our relationship with God in and through Christ to more fully permeate our actual human experience. Therefore, our benefit. Let's join our hearts in prayer. So Father, uh, thank you for your word and for these, these teachings of scripture.
these disciplines, these practices that, uh, that we believe we are called to in Christ. Please help us to be men and women who, who do meditate, who ponder your word in, in a way that allows it to, to sink deep into our hearts and minds. And then, and boy, we, we pray for your wisdom and guidance on this. Help us to be Christ followers who are willing to, to be truth tellers. And often, and we love it when that is a word of affirmation. We want to be that, that person. But we want to be folks who can speak the word of challenge and help one another be more fully the men and women you've created us to be. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.